podcast and boy do we have an episode for you. I have just finished editing the main section of this episode and writing down all the topics that we have covered and guys I think I have like 10 dot points of what my guest Grace McLeod and I have spoken about. So let me introduce Grace a very quickly before we get into the episode. So Grace runs um, the company Team Stronger. She is an online fitness, nutrition, mindset coach. She's a personal trainer, entrepreneur, uh, fitness model. She does fucking everything. And she has made it her mission to empower women to chase strength over size. This conversation was incredible. I remember getting off the microphone and just bouncing around for the rest of the day because we spoke about for all things from... Um, living with PCOS through to fat phobia and body shaming on TV. We covered the psychology behind obesity, food addiction, navigating the pressure of looking the part in the fitness industry, you know, like as a trainer yourself. We spoke about redefining what a fitness model looks like, redefining fitness and what a fit body is. And then we finished off by talking about not caring what other people think and how not to care about the opinions of others. So I am just so excited for you to just immerse yourself in this conversation, go for a long walk, sit in a bath, get your notes app out because there are going to be so many moments in this episode where you go, oh shit, I don't want to forget this. So enjoy the episode. Let us know on Instagram. If you did enjoy the episode, make sure to share this for your friends to see. Um, tag myself and Grace. We, I will leave all of our social medias in the show notes. Um, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys have thought of this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Most Delicious Life podcast. As I'm sure you guys can tell by the title of this episode we are joined by such a special guest um we've literally been sitting here for half an hour shit talking and i'm so excited to finally have her on the microphone she was one of the first guests that i put down on my little like spreadsheet when i, I decided know that. <laughs> yes you were like what so is special <laughs> so this is the voice of grace mcleod that you can hear from team stronger on instagram hello grace Oh my God. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Like I said, you were one of those people where I was like, I want you on this podcast so badly. Oh my God. Stop you know, it. That makes me so excited. <laughs> I personally think that you and I have very similar opinions about things, but I also know that sometimes he posts things and I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> no, no, like not, not a no, but just like, not for me or like wait 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 cut cut this out what the fuck do you which ones <laughs> I think it's more just yeah. like with your food um because I'm pescatarian so like I'm only <laughs> I'm only over here eating seafood and Grace is over here eating like raw liver and I'm like oh <laughs> so there's sometimes I'm just like that's not my vibe, Gil. But like, That's how you, you feel as a pescatarian. What do you think I make the vegans feel? Yeah, I know. 
that's like yeah sometimes I'm just like no that's not no, no thank you it's not for everyone sometimes it isn't no. even for me but so you know living probably, now no, yeah you go, no, no, you go I was gonna say every everyone probably now is like okay so why the fuck does this girl eat raw liver <laughs> <laughs> so explain I feel like raw liver had a really interesting rap um because Liver King did his whole, like, I don't know how long his career was of, no, I'm not on gear, my entire physique, all of my health is handcrafted by eating liver and testicles. And then obviously it came out that he was on gear and the whole world acted like they had no idea. And, oh, my God, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and so because of that, I feel like raw liver has gotten a really bad rap. But, you know, the reason I go for it and the reason I was introduced to it is because it is one of the – most oh my god wait give me a sec I need a sneeze no not the sneeze (laughs) (laughs) okay um when it's cold (laughs) no literally um but no so raw liver is one of the most bioavailable sources of so many vitamins and minerals that humans are deficient in and you know there's a lot of people who will rebut something like that saying you know you can take supplements you know you can get vitamins from you know vegetables and all this sort of stuff and like yes that's so valid and that makes so much sense but what people don't take into consideration is the fact that when you are taking you know an iron supplement or a b12 supplement or something like that is that these are synthetic supplements these are synthetic um vitamins and minerals so the availability of nutrients to actually be able to be absorbed into the body is significantly lower. Um, And it's the same with vegetables, you know, like, yes, a kilo of spinach may have the same protein as 500 grams of meat or whatever the statistic is, but you know, spinach has to be prepared in a very specific way. You have to eat it with certain foods. You have to have a certain, you know, environment in your gut to actually be able to absorb the vitamins that are available to you and that's really really challenging to be doing on a long-term basis to try and improve your overall health so what I found is that raw liver is actually the best source of all of these nutrients with the least amount of you know need to prepare or you know challenge different things to actually be able to get your body to absorb it Mm, yeah absolutely like I fully agree with you I just personally couldn't bring myself to do it um like for the record it's like a little it's like a little quarter and she just like swallows it whole guys she doesn't like yeah so liver Liver king's out here like slicing it out of a dead cow on a fucking instagram video and eating it raw I can't do that I'm I can't do that like uh, you're gonna have to cut this part out because this is probably a bit art rated but when you eat it raw and defrosted, it tastes like what I think period blood would taste like. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> that, like, no, but like, I, it's just, it, I really get what you mean by like, I think period blood would taste like this. Like it is metallic. so metallic and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a wet organ. Like you can dry it, but it's still, it's just wet. I can't, yeah. it's hard to explain unless you've actually physically handled a raw piece of beef liver. Um, Hmm. But when you freeze it, like I freeze it and I cut it up into little pill-sized like cubes and I just swallow Hmm. it like that. And it's the easiest way to do it. You don't taste it. It defrosts in your stomach. You absorb everything you need to. And it's not as bad as you'd think. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Oh my gosh. So give us a rundown, Grace, on who you actually are now that we've heard all about your liver. (laughs) eating habits 
But who are you? Um, you do. <laughs> Why are you here? Tell the, tell the class a fun fact about yourself. Yeah. Tell your favorite question. Two truths and one lie, please. <laughs> um, so I'm Grace. I'm a holistic health and wellness coach and a powerlifting coach. I have been in the gym and training for maybe four years now. And I have been a coach for nearly two years. So full steep in the industry at this point. Um, absolutely loving it. And yeah, I think my my favorite thing about this is the fact that, you know, I started in a place, you know, the reason I got into the gym was because I post-COVID found myself carrying a pretty significant amount of body weight. I was sitting at 170 kilos at 19 years old. Um, and obviously a ricochet off that is the fact that my mental health was horrendous. You know, I wasn't enjoying my job. Everything in my life was affected by the my health or lack thereof. Um, so I started getting into the gym, started completely changing my life. And as a result, I fell in love with that process and wanted to be able to help people through the same process without letting them make the same mistakes that I did because I did, you know, the first year of my, I guess, fitness journey by myself. I didn't have a coach. I, you know, I kind of just did it all myself and I relied on, you know, TikTok trends and, you know, quick Googles of random stuff. And I made so many mistakes in the process because I wasn't educated enough to understand what was right and what was wrong. Um, and so that's why I've set out to, I guess, be on a mission to make sure people don't make the same mistakes that I did. Um, and one of the biggest mistakes that I made was the fact that I so I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 16. Um, and for those of you who don't know, PCOS is, is polycystic ovary syndrome. It is a condition that affects the, uh, fuck, what's the word? The menstrual system um, and the hormone production of the female body. Um, symptoms can range from, like, there's a pretty extensive list of them. Yeah, so many. Literally, I could go on for six years. Um, But to give you, like, a round number, it's basically a bunch of cysts that grow on your ovaries, um, irregular hormones, insulin resistance, um, a very high excess of male growth hormones. So it means that a lot of women with PCOS are getting pretty significant facial hair, um, hair loss on the head, um, that among a lot of other physical symptoms that are really challenging. But the biggest one that I want to backtrack to is insulin resistance because insulin resistance plays a really significant role in how the body is actually able to lose weight and drop body fat. And the biggest mistake that I made was the fact that I considered my body able to respond to the same processes that someone with completely normal hormones would do. Because you, you dropped a lot of body fat in that first year quite quickly. Yeah, I- Absolutely. I did. So I dropped, uh, it was a significant, I think I was looking at maybe 25 kilos in the first year because I did 1200 calorie diets. I did gym twice a day. I did excessive cardio. Like it was ridiculous. But after about 12 months, my body stopped responding to it. And I was like, okay, what's going on? But not only did my body stop responding to it, everything else actually intensified. So I put back on a little bit of weight and you know my body stopped responding to 1200 calories that stopped responding to cardio and you know while a lot of people will look at what happened in the first year of my training as a success I see it as not a failure but a necessary lesson that I had to learn because I made all of that progress but all of that progress came at the cost of a lot of my health internally so it intensified my PCOS my gut was in incredibly poor shape um 
and just a lot of things stopped working and you know, you get to a point where you're like, I've plateaued with my weight loss and every man and their dog will be like, oh, but have you tried a calorie deficit? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like there comes a point where things like that actually just no longer have their place for someone yeah. with such a, an intense hormonal imbalance. And that's the biggest thing because so many people out there are like, you're not losing weight because you're lazy. Like, or, you know, you're just not, you're in not a calorie truly, deficit. yeah. Like you're not yeah. truly in a calorie, in a calorie deficit. Like you exactly. must be counting. you must have been counting X Y Z. You must be secret eating. It's like, exactly, and it's like, point, like you need to believe me. <laughs> the thing is, so many people in the health and fitness industry, and this isn't to discredit those who don't fall under this umbrella, but a lot of them have been into health and wellness their whole life. You know, they played sport growing up. They've always, yeah. you know, a, a solid body they, weight. You know, they they have gymnastics and they had abs when they were fifteen years old. Like exactly, or like. For the, the male fitness coaches, you know, they played footy growing up and, you know, all that stuff. And the second they left, you know, the second mm. they entered DCE or mm. whatever they call it. They got in, put in a gym. And, yeah. They like, dropped out of school and went to become a trainer at 16. Like, exactly. Or, you know, the, they knew instantly they wanted to do a Bachelor of Arts, Sports Science or Exercise. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that is fantastic. Mm. But what you need to realize is that when it comes to coaching, coaches coach based on their experience. And if your experience of the world is everything working in your favor in regards to your health for the entirety of your life, your ability to hold space for someone who does not have the same circumstances as you, as you, it's non-existent. <laughs> Sorry, I choked on my order. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, and you know, this is no, no. Um, I don't want to say no offense. That sounds true, but this is not, you know, to to tear down those coaches out there who have, and I'm going to say air quotes, you know, an easy ride when it comes to health and wellness, because, you know, they rely on the science, they rely on what they've been taught and they're doing the best they can with the information that they have available to them. Mm. But at the same time, I think that there comes a point where the industry as a whole needs to pivot to understand that based on the, you know, average health of the everyday Australian, hormonal conditions and lifestyle diseases and things that actually affect the body a lot more are becoming very, very prevalent. And, you know, it's one in every 10 people that will have a condition affecting their hormones or will be diabetic or pre-diabetic or something like that. And I no longer think we're at a point where you can just slap the same approach on every person being like calorie deficit, 10,000 steps, weight train. Cause it's like that that's no longer effective for a lot of people. It's so much more extensive than that. Yeah, but I guess no one wants to do the extra research to figure it out or it's too complex because it doesn't apply to them. Exactly. They, they just want to work with that gen pop. But, like, gen pop are the people who are pre-diabetic and have PCOS and endo and hormonal conditions. Like, exactly. you are working with gen pop. Gen pop doesn't just come with no adverse health conditions. Like, they're not just mm. they're not just overweight you know they're not just carrying excess body fat that's exactly. not anymore maybe that was like 20 years ago but it's not anymore exactly and I think the biggest thing is the fact that rather than holding space to acknowledge the fact that oh wait this is my client and maybe this calorie deficit I've put them in isn't working you know maybe there's something below the surface you know maybe there's a root cause that we need to be exploring that's not really the first thought of a lot of trainers in this day and age. The first thought is you must be eating in secret. How much olive oil are you using? Did you know that that can destroy your calorie deficit? Even if you're getting 8K steps, that's not quite 10K. You need to be getting 10K. Okay, what if we put more cardio in there? Like, you know, they're so easy to question the morals and the um, 
your enhance the program. Yeah. Like, and it's just, I, I had a trainer when I first started, um, would have been the start of my second year in the gym. And she put me in a calorie deficit. She gave me the same, I could tell it was the same program that had been applied Mm. to every single one of her clients because it was so generalized. Um, And I did a check-in after about eight weeks and she was like, you know, weigh yourself every day because weight fluctuations are normal and let's figure out the average and all of this sort of stuff. And I had adhered to the program so much because that was the point where I was like, nothing's working. Like I I need, I need some, some more help. Um, Mm. And so I adhered to the program so intensely. And I remember I got a call from her and she goes, okay, I just feel like you're not being completely honest with me right now, because if you were actually doing everything you say you're doing, you would have lost weight by now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm eating the calories you've programmed for me. I'm eating the macros exactly. You know, I'm hitting the steps. I'm doing everything. And she's like, I don't believe you because if you were, we'd see results. I think there's like such a big conversation here about also fat phobia with this and, oh, they don't have this particular type of body. So they must be lying. They must be keeping something a secret. They mustn't care enough because if they cared more, they'd look like, and I'm like, there is so much internalized fat phobia with that type of story and that narrative. Yeah. It's so I, toxic. I think that uh, this is this is something that I've sort of been sitting with for a very large amount of time. Um, is this whole fat phobia type thing? And I think that a lot of it has been like this is coming from a person who was previously very fucking fat. So I feel like I have a bit of credibility to speak on this. Yeah, go um, for your life. <laughs> like I I see TikToks all the time of people being like oh, you go to the gym and you're overweight, that's fat phobic because you're saying that you don't want to be fat anymore. And like, <laughs> no, literally there is just like a, re- there is becoming a, a very intense, yeah. um, uh, almost like entitlement from people who are overweight to, you know, be allowed fucking an extra plane seat for free or, you know, to be shitting on people who go to the gym because that that's fat phobic because going to the gym means that you're not okay with fat people. And it's like, mm. it's like I know I think that there is you know people like that and it's very it's a very intense uh demographic of people who are genuinely believe it because they're fat they have different rights to other people and that being fat is actually a bad thing and that they're not actually unhealthy and it's like okay there's a bigger conversation about that Mm -hmm. but at the same time there does come a point where you know a lot of people associate different traits with someone's appearance absolutely me, for example, when I was my heaviest, you know, it was, she was lazy. She's sluggish. She has bad hygiene, you know, all of this sort of so stuff. She's a liar. Like, mm, and she, that's lies, secret. she has a binge Ooh. eating disorder. And yeah. it's like, when I was at my heaviest and when I was not seeking help and when I was not, you know, very focused on improving my life, I was all of those things. Absolutely. But do you think that I would still carry all of those traits with me to, to the same extent if I was working my ass off to change my life. Hmm. Like and that's honestly. It's just there is a really large lack of compassion for people who are overweight. Um and you know it, it it's understandable to a degree because you know yes becoming overweight, you know, becoming morbidly obese does require some amount of conscious awareness as to what's going on. But at the same time, there are so many different things that play a part and people are so focused on shaming the person for getting where they were rather than helping them get to where they want to be. Yeah. It's just a problem. Like it's a problem. And how can I be the one who is like the hero and 
saves them and fixes them, saves them from themselves instead of being like, okay, cool. How can we actually talk about how you got here? So then we can undo that work and get you to where you want to be next. And that might not even be 20 kilos less. That might just be, oh, happy. That might just be, oh, I want to be able to walk down the stairs and not feel like I need to sit down for the next 10 minutes. Cool. That might involve losing 20 kilos, but can we try and get there without having that weight loss, like focus? Yes, exactly. And something that I honestly think really influenced our age group because a lot of coaches at the moment are our demographic um, is the biggest loser growing up. Oh my God. I yes, I did used to watch that, but I used to watch um, Skinny vs. Fat, which was a UK oh. TV show on YouTube. And you probably know, like I had an eating disorder when I was younger. And yeah. when I was in the thick of my eating disorder, I, I don't know why, but I used to watch that. And something about it used to just give me so much motivation to push further into my eating disorder, probably the internalized fat phobia, but then also you very clearly had people on that show with eating disorders. Yes. Yes. And and that and like Biggest Loser go hand in hand. And I know so many people in the UK talk about that TV show, Skinny vs. Fat, and they're just like, what the fuck was on our, was on our like TVs. Literally. And and the Biggest Loser was so prevalent from like, I reckon from, you know, when I was maybe like seven or eight my teenage years, like when I was like 13, 14, 15. And that show is based on the premise of breaking down emotionally, physically, mentally obese people to get a fucking result from a scale. Mm. Um, And I honestly think that shaped our perception of health and wellness so much growing up because it was, it was a significant TV show. A lot of people were watching it like, and the way, you know, it was, you know, not, let's weight train and let's, you know, look at understanding how food actually works. It was, mm. you're going to pull a truck and if you don't do it, you're a fat fuck. And mm. we're going to play a game called Temptation. We're going to put a fucking KFC bucket in yeah. front of you. Yeah. And if you eat it, you're a loser. Like yeah. it was just the most toxic shift mm. ever. But also really humiliating. It was like roll in the mud and do this. Like, you know, yes. there's these really humiliating activities that they had to do. Yeah physically humiliating them obviously that's going to translate to their mental like well-being but like just these yeah challenges they were put in and they're getting screamed at by these people with their shirts off with like fucking 10 packs because they were in the military or they've been doing this for the past 30 years of their life and they've Mm. never had a child and they've never done this in xyz like yeah you've never even had that kfc box that's sitting there (laughs) Exactly. You've never had that KFC box. You actually don't know what it feels like to be holding 30, 40, 50, 100 kilos above an optimal body weight. Do you understand how much harder it is Mm. to do things holding that much body weight above what your body was designed to carry? Like I saw a TikTok a couple weeks ago of an online PT who I actually really like. He spoke about what it's like to actually be an overweight person. And he took, you know, here's, you know, optimal PT 
BMI of optimal sort of body. And he attached a, you know, those, uh, the medicine balls that are squishy, the slam balls. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, he attached a 30 kilo one of those to him and then tried to do everything else during the day with that attached to him. And I think that that's an exercise that a lot of coaches should <laughs> potentially look at doing, like actually understand what it's like, because it's not like, let me just run up the stairs really quick or, you know, like hmm. all of this sort of stuff, like things actually become a lot more challenging. And yes, while, you know, the, the individual played a part in getting to that point, you serve them absolutely nothing by, you know, shaming them for where they are. You have to have compassion and understanding for the fact that yes, it might be partly their fault, but shit is so much fucking harder for people when they are overweight. Yeah. Like what, what, what is the point? What is the benefit to anybody of just like, you should have done this differently. It's like, yeah, the past happened. I should have done a lot, lot of different things differently, but exactly. like, I can't go back and fix that. But now I'm here asking you to help me be different in the future. Exactly. And so many trainers and PTs look at these clients who are overweight. And as soon as like something hard happens, that person might decide to stop PT or to stop coaching. And the trainer just turns on them and ends up bitching behind their back and go, see, knew they wouldn't change anyway. Exactly. Exactly. They always stay, always stay the same. And it's like, because of people like that, because nobody believes in them, because you're not going to go and message them in a month's time when you haven't heard anything from them. Cause they said, I'll be back. You know, they need you to reach out to them and go, Hey, how are you going? And they might not come back, but you can still check in on them. Exactly. And I don't think a lot of people understand the science and the psychology behind mm being obese and losing a significant amount of weight because you know fucking running on the treadmill going to the Mm -hmm. gym like that is easy in comparison to everything else that happens behind the scenes like I can't tell you the level of shame that I felt at my heaviest and then even you know at the beginning of my fitness journey and it's shame that I still carry with myself to this day it's obviously nowhere near as intense and I've worked through it but it's such a present emotion. And then you need to understand that if someone has put themselves in a position where they are significantly overweight, it's been a lifelong thing, which means that you're not asking someone to just go to the gym and just go for a walk every day. Like it's not that hard. Like you're not asking them to do that. You are asking them to change every belief, every identity, every single thing that they have created for the entirety of their life. Like That is an identity. That is a personality. These are things that are so deeply ingrained in someone's brain. It does not take a, here's a quick voice note to just let you know that I think you're doing amazing. Like it doesn't take that. It takes understanding the psychology of it and understanding the difficulty that there is breaking things like habits that have been built for 15, 20 years. Like, you know, for me, oh my God, I, I remember driving home from work when I was 19 and every night I would stop through on the Maccas on the way home. I've never spoken about this in public. Wow. Um, Every time I would stop at the Maccas in between my work and my home and I would get two chicken and cheeseburgers, a chocolate thick shake, a large fries, and then fucking hash browns to put in the burgers or whatever. I would eat that and then go home and have dinner. And I, breaking the habit, when I did that every fucking day, breaking the habit of driving home from work and not stopping at that Maccas, like people are just like it's easy, just don't stop. Like, do you understand? Yeah. Do you understand how challenging how challenging it is to break habits that are so deeply associated with your identity? That's your comfort and that's your safety now. Like yes. you know, every day leaving leaving work, no matter if the day was good or the day was bad, you're gonna go to Macca's and you're gonna have that thing. You're gonna get the food, and it's your comfort and your safety, no matter exactly. what. Like you're getting all that dopamine and all those endorphins 
from that activity, from that food. And then someone's going, don't go give yourself those endorphins and that dopamine. Just mm. cut it out. And you're like, so I just drive home and I go back home and I be depressed instead. Yeah. I want to feel good. And like the Maccas makes me feel good. I think it's it's like, you know, people don't understand the intensity of it because it's not like, you know, um, a, a drug addiction or a cigarette addiction or, you know, a prescription painkiller addiction or an alcohol stop. addiction. Like the intensity of the wiring in your brain in something like this is next level. Like a food addiction has been compared to, 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 to a food addiction has been compared to cocaine addictions. Like the intensity is there. And if you've never experienced that before, it can be really hard to understand what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. Food addictions are the only addiction that you have to actually continue living with the stimulus, living with the trigger. Every other type of addiction, you cut out. You Mm. go to, you know, you cut out alcohol, you cut out cigarettes. And yes, it's not easy to do those things, but that's the ultimate goal, right? Like, oh, I'm addicted to this. My ultimate goal is to never have it again. You can't survive without food. Exactly. Learn to live with the thing that is your trigger. So people who had, you know, yeah, they had binge eating disorders or eating disorders of some types, or yeah, they were overweight 10 years ago. They still are going to come, you know, around to those triggers every now and again, where they might drive past a Maccas and they might feel how they did when they were 20, even though now they're 30 and they've got their two kids in the back and they go to the gym four times a week and their life is so different. They yeah. might have their Maccas and all of a sudden it's like a regression. And you exactly. get feelings of when you were 20 and when you were unhappy and you were overweight and you hated everything about yourself and your life and, you know, and it's confusing. Exactly. Because that it's like, makes you want to go to the backers. Yes. And it's, you know, say someone's addicted to like, I, I have a good friend who, you know, used to be addicted to ice. And it's like, you don't take an ice addiction and say, I just want to get to a point where I have a healthy relationship with ice. And I'm only doing it, you know, three times a day for the amount that my body needs to thrive. Like it's yeah. not like that. No. It is the same level of addiction without the same level of, you know, separation when you're trying to break that habit, break that disorder, you know, heal from that addiction. Like, so it's a lot harder. And, you know, this isn't to discredit the fact that so many people have come off hard drugs and like oh, it's God, really no. fucking challenging. <laughs> so like you need to understand the the psychological and the neuro neuro mm, neurological neurological um (laughs) you know depth of something like this because it's you know it is not as fucking simple as about calories in and calories out Mm. like okay cool do you want to go to like an alcoholics anonymous and talk to them about that and see how that fucking pans out like it's It's like you know people struggling like oh i i have a dessert i have dessert every night and i don't want to have dessert anymore number one what's wrong with having dessert why do we need to cut that dessert out? Could we just make it a smaller amount? Could we add in some fruit with your chocolate? Could we do something else? So it's not this big event of I go have a bowl of ice cream with topping on topping on topping. Can we adjust it? So you're still getting that safety, that comfort, that dopamine, those endorphins, those good feelings, but you're also going to go to bed and wake up the next day feeling like you've done something that's like in alignment with the direction you want to be moving. You know, you don't have to stop eating the dessert. (laughs) Exactly. And it's education about these sort of things. Like I remember it's actually really funny to speak about this so openly because I remember a time when I was so shameful about it. But, you know, I used to be, you know, I'd get a tub of Ben and Jerry's, eat the whole fucking thing, and they are significantly, they are a lot. 
Um, yeah. Or I'd buy, you know, a box of Golden Gay Times and I'd be at the shops and I'd make myself a promise, you know, I'll just have one. And then I'll, you know, I'll have one every night for the rest of the week. And then suddenly it's the end of that day and I'd eaten the entire box and all of them in there. And, you know, I, I had this association with desserts, you know, and it's a common thing, you know, I just want something mm. sweet after dinner. And, you know, I was able to completely curb that, not by subtracting it, not by saying, I can't have dessert anymore. It's bad for me. It's fucked. Like I will have a cup of hot chocolate before I go to bed because I'm a 90 year old woman. Like, you know, I, I have found a way to be able to combat all of these things that used to cripple me with something that actually makes me feel good without completely removing the stimulus. Yeah. I have tea with um, a chocolate digestive, (laughs) but then also I can look at those chocolate digestive digestives and go, Actually, I don't feel like one tonight. Whereas mm. in the past, it would be like, oh, I have to have one. Like, yeah, I had a powerful why? experience the other night, actually. Mm. I I just had dinner with my dad and bless his cotton socks. Doesn't love to, I really hope he doesn't listen to this because he's going to get cracked with his shit. But doesn't like to cook and he's not very good at it either. Um, so <laughs> we had spent the day, like we'd gone out, you know, we'd done some stuff. Um, and then he ordered Chinese takeaway for dinner. And so I... I'm no longer in a position of. <laughs> we are not doing good today. No, we're not. You're going to fucking have to pull out the beep button, the fucking <laughs> cut everything. Oh my God. No, the girls on the podcast know we are raw and we <laughs> Um, Yeah, like, you know, I'm no longer in a position where I'm like, you know, sacrificing things like enjoying a meal with my dad yeah. for my goals because yeah. short term, sure so much benefit long term am I gonna regret not sitting down and having a meal with my dad like yeah. I don't fucking care what it is it's having one meal. a meal with your dad should always be incorporated in your goals it is a goal it's right? a exactly <laughs> like I moved out of home like nearly three years ago now like mm. I, I treasure shit like having a meal with my dad yeah. even if he is like honey chicken that literally made me feel <laughs> so fucking shit for the rest of the day but I came home and when I tell you like I have a hot chocolate every night before bed, like I have a hot chocolate every night before bed. Yeah. Um, like it's my little, it's a routine and I I love it. Love that. But I came home and I, I turned the kettle on out of like out of just had a habit. Yeah. And then I was like, I actually really don't feel like a hot chocolate. And then I had this internal debate with myself of like, oh, but you need to have it because you do it every night. Oh, but just have it just in case, like just so you don't binge, or maybe just have a little bit less. And then I poured myself a cup of tea instead. Yeah. And I was like, Well, the world actually didn't end. Yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. And I feel really good for not having that hot chocolate that was going to make me feel sick. Yeah, like I really didn't want to vomit up milk, chocolate, and honey chicken. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. I love that. But, okay, I do want to ask you, it's kind of on topic with what we've been talking about, is how have you navigated the pressure of, like, looking the part, in quotes, as a coach, you know, and then you, I feel like you've used this really toxic narrative, like you have to look a certain way to be a coach and you've really used that to your advantage and you've created the team stronger and you've got an amazing community of girls. But yeah, how have you overcome the whole looking the part? Because I even know that I struggle with that because I'm not five kilos smaller and I don't have abs, you know? And then I'm like, oh, I'm just in this funny middle zone of like, she kind of looks like she works out, but she kind of doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love this question <laughs> because it's something that I struggled with a lot myself because people have, you know, like, for example, I'll say, you know, 
you know, what does a Kardashian look like? And you'll list all of the Kardashians in your head and you'll, you know, lip fillers, fake hair, BBL, you know, you've got a, a, an idea in your brain of what someone's meant to look like. What does an accountant look like? Oh, briefcase, button up, maybe some glasses, comb over, <laughs> receding hairline. Like, stereotype. Exactly. Like you you have a, a perceived expectation of what you think certain people should look like. And it's the same in this industry, you know, you say PT, you know, you expect someone who's either tiny or strong as fuck or, yeah. you know, like you look at them and you're like, oh, it makes sense. Or, you know, they run all the time or, you know, they wake up early and like all of this bullshit. And it's like, sure. But the only thing that differs a PT from someone who's just really healthy is the fact that the PT has knowledge. Yeah. And guess the fuck what? My brain is more than capable of retaining the same knowledge as any other fucking person out there, regardless of what my body looks like. So that's the key point, number one. But then another thing that comes into the equation is the fact that, you know, there there is a level of expectation to practice what you preach. So, you know, it, it can almost seem contradictory or um, hypocritical to be coaching and preaching X, Y, and Z about health, but then not looking like you do it yourself. And that's something that I have been really, really challenged by, you know, I I get DMs on a weekly basis from troll accounts or people that I don't know or like random comments on TikTok being like, how can you be a PT if you look like that? And it's like, oh. okay, but like you're judging that based off your perception of like, you know, one story on Instagram or one TikTok. You have no idea what my entire history is. You have yeah. no idea who I am. You have no idea how I got to where I am today. You have no idea that the reason I store extra body fat in my stomach is because of PCOS and because yeah. of insulin resistance. You have no idea that my... Uh, muscle percentage is significantly higher than my body fat percentage. Like you have no idea how much weight I've actually lost. You have no idea the work that I've done to heal my gut. You have no idea the depth of knowledge that I have that actually helps me exceed at my excel at my job. But also you have no idea the depth of compassion that I hold for people who are in positions that I used to be in. And that is my fucking superpower. Yes. Yeah. That is my superpower. Like I have quite a few clients or I've worked with quite a few clients that have come from a place of obesity and they've come to me saying, you know, Grace, I've worked with PTs before and just nothing seems to be working. And almost after like four weeks of working with them, I know that what wasn't working was the fact that they had no fucking compassion or understanding for what it's like. And, you know, I held a lot of really high expectations for myself and put a lot of pressure on myself. I was six months into, um, you know, being at the gym and, you know, understanding health and fitness. When I decided I want to work in this industry, I want to help change people's lives. But I put it off for such a long time because I convinced myself you need to lose this much more weight before people will even take you seriously or you need to look like this before people will even listen to what you have to say. And the funny thing is, and this is going to sound like a massive fucking flex, I am so successful and I look like this. So yep. it speaks so much to what my energy says about yep. who I am as a person, what my knowledge says, what my like what my brain can tell you and how what I look like actually doesn't mean a lot when people start to understand my story and the work that I've put in to become the person that I am today. So yeah, to a, another person walking down the street, I am overweight and that's not something that I'm going to sit here and deny. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, not that BMI is an accurate uh, measurement anymore, yeah. but yeah, my BMI is high. Yes, I hold a lot of body fat. But at the same time, like I can deadlift more than your fucking boyfriend, no, your boyfriend individually. But, you know, anyone who would insult me, I can deadlift more than your boyfriend would. Like, yeah. you know, I have the combined knowledge of, you know, 
I like half a psychology degree, fucking half a, an exercise science degree, osteopathy, like rehabilitation. Like there is so much knowledge in my brain and combine that with the depth of experience that I have going through this industry as the person that I am and looking like what I look like. I almost have a level up on a lot of other people in this industry because not only do I know, I get, I understand, I recognize, I empathize. And yeah, it's so fucking challenging to have people, you know, minimize me to simply my appearance. But I'm at a point at this point in my life where I no longer give a shit about what people say when it comes to stuff like that. Like I got a DM a couple of days ago and it always gets hidden in like my message request. Yeah. And he was like, I just like, I don't know how you can be a coach and be so unhealthy. You look like you eat KFC every day. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you have no fucking idea, man. (laughs) I eat fucking liver. Honestly, (laughs) I like, I would win. I would win in a fight with you. So yeah. But like, you know, I'm so confident in myself and in in the knowledge that I have and, you know, not that validation is necessary, but the fact that I've been able to help so many people Mm. looking like what I look like and, you know, being the person that I am now, the fact that I've been able to change so many lives, I actually don't care about the people who doubt that because the proof is there. And the proof is that not only for me, it's for the people that I work with, it's for the people that I work with, it's, you know, for the people that doubt me. And it speaks of volumes to the fact that you actually don't have to look like this stereotype mm. to be able to, you know, work in that industry. To do anything. I think a lot of people can learn from you and like take that lesson of like, you need to just keep building this evidence for yourself so that you can keep moving with confidence, but also keep building this evidence. So when people do challenge you, you can bring all that evidence forward and be like, excuse me, what do you mean? Like, F exactly. You. Like show me where your one comment from that one reel that you saw that I posted means anything to me. Or, you know, yeah. people like who aren't in the, like who aren't coaches where they might be finding they're getting snarky comments from family members or from, you know, friends or something. And I think that's really common. Like people mm. who, don't have a presence online they usually get their bullying to a degree from family and friends is mm. to build this evidence not to go but see I do go to the gym five times a week that's not the point it's this evidence to go I actually don't need to listen to you because I know for a fine fucking fact I'm doing everything and that is all that matters I'm working on my mental health I'm working on my you know cardiovascular health like I'm strength training so I don't have osteoarthritis when I'm older you know I'm not going to the gym to prove to you that I'm trying to lose weight. I'm going to the gym so that I can be a better version of myself and so that I can be happier and that I can have this conversation with you and not go home and cry. Like exactly away and be like, well, they're uneducated and I actually feel sorry for that person. Exactly. And what a lot of people don't realize is the fact that if I wanted to, I could go out and drop all of the excess body fat that I currently possess. I could do that that the other day, didn't you? Yeah. Like I could, I could drop that in like six months and, you know, look exactly like all of these people, but guess the fuck what? Like, do you, mm, this is controversial. I'm going to say it anyway. What people don't understand is that an external image, an external body, you know, what you see on the outside has no actual indication of health. And that's a really bold concept for a lot of people 
But you take like a blood panel from someone like me, I am, you know, very in-depth focusing on my gut health. I very rarely drink caffeine, you know, all of my vitamin uh, vitamin and mineral levels are optimal. I'm one of the only females in this age group that doesn't have iron deficiencies. Like, you know, I you take a blood panel from someone like me and you compare it to like a bodybuilder in peak week. Oh, God. <laughs> Nightmare. Like health is not determined by what someone looks like on the outside. And like, yeah, you know, there's a lot about me that is 100% healthy. That I, I will cop that on the chin any day of the week. Mm. But if I dropped all of that fucking body fat and looked what your perception or your your idea of healthy was, I would actually be less healthy than I am right now. Mm. So what I'm doing is, you know, I'm not doing it for the physical appearance because yes, I can drop all of that body fat, but what's going to come as a cost? My PCOS is going to intensify. I'm going to lose a lot of vitamin and minerals, vitamin and mineral levels that I currently possess in my body. You know, so much, so much is going to go wrong if I take, mm. you know, the mm. short route. Absolutely. But if well, I take the long lose route, all that muscle, like as well, all exactly. that strength will go. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if I take the long route, which means that, yeah, it takes a little bit longer. The only thing that changes is other people's perception of me. And I don't give a single fuck about that because I know that in the long term, this is what's better for me. Absolutely. Your people are going to recognize your message, you know, and I really feel like you have redefined, especially for your community, what a fitness model looks like. And I know you've done that in your own mind of like what a fitness model looks like because well, Grace does work with Ride Aware, guys. She is sponsored by Ride Aware. And I do remember, and obviously this is nothing against Ride Aware, but I do remember once you saying like to like our group chat, like Ride Aware will never sponsor someone like me. And then two months later, you were like, Ride Aware sponsored me, guys. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And like, this is something that you had wanted for so long and you loved their clothes. And I think you just got to this point where it was like, I'm looking at the industry and I'm not seeing anybody like me. Why am I going to be the trailblazer, you know? But then also like, I, you were the trailblazer. <laughs> I'm going to speak to this. Basically what happened was I I got so fucking sick of, you know, I, I was someone wearing XL or, you know, double XL clothes. And I was so sick of seeing shit look so cute on mm. the models, on like the, on the website or on Instagram. Being like, oh my God, that's really cute activewear. And then buying it myself. And like, obviously the model's wearing extra small. I don't wear that. Obviously it doesn't look the same on me, but it went a lot deeper than that in the sense that, you know, it actually wasn't flattering. It wasn't supporting my body. It was so uncomfortable to train in. And I couldn't recognize that because no one I knew or no one that had my body type was representing me Mm. Or, you know, anyone that wears my size in this, in these modeling, you know, in, in, in these businesses, in these brands. And so I actually put together a 17 page document outlining the flaws and, you know, right away holds the most special place in my heart. The love that I have for that brand and, you know, the humans behind it is extensive. Yeah. Um, like, you know, that were the first active wear I ever bought aside from like, you know, the first active wear I bought after I could fit into, you know, not just Kmart clothes, you know, like, and I constantly bought them and wear them, wore them for a really, really long time until this came up. And this was after I, you know, sort of made my mark in the industry. And I, you know, held a bit of a, a bit of a profile. I think at the time I had like two and a half thousand followers. So it wasn't anything, uh, advanced, but, I put to, like, I was just so fucking sick of it. So I put together a 17 page document outlining all of the flaws in right away. And the, the reason I did that was because you look at brands like Gymshark or Muscle Nation yeah. or even Crop Shop Boutique. And while it's not enough, they still yeah. had 
a recognizable presence of bodies that weren't just a size extra small in their marketing on their website. And so people got an idea of what it would be like to wear their clothes as someone who wears a size large or a size extra large. And by the way, didn't have that. They like, I scoured every collection they had ever done because I was like, I don't want to go out here. You you don't want to come at a brand and then be like, here are the receipts. Yes, we do. (laughs) Exactly. Like I scoured everything. I put together, you know, a a brand analysis, marketing analysis, um, a a comparison between their brand and Gymshark and right away and um, sorry, Muscle Nation and all of these other brands. And I wrote about how they are missing out on such a, a large demographic. And it was the reason that held me back from buying specific pieces yeah. was because I was like, I don't fucking know if that's going to look good on me. And I'm not yeah. going to spend $90 on a pair of leggings just for them to not look good on me. Literally. Yeah. And so I wrote this massive proposal <laughs> and the response that I got was, I've passed this on to the necessary people. Thank you so much for reaching out. And I was like, yeah, which was right. like, it was expected. Anyway. Yeah. Fast forward, it was probably two months after I sent that initial um, proposal to them being like, like, you got to get it together Um, that I like, and I built a relationship with the person that I emailed. So bless her heart. She's like an athlete manager there. Um, She was the person that I communicated with, you know, I had followed her on Instagram ever since. And we sort of had a little bit of relationship, like heart each other's posts, fucking love heart, react to each other's stories. (laughs) sort of stuff and then she replied to one of my stories on like a Saturday night and she goes like something in regards to the story and then goes but hey check your emails on Monday and I was like what excuse me (laughs) sorry what you're telling me this on Saturday anyway (laughs) so I spent the next few days like hyperventilating um and like I told my dad about the proposal as well being like can you proofread this and you know let me know how I'm going let me know if there's parts where I'm emotional and I shouldn't be you know things like that and I just said to him like this is what she said and he's like okay I think maybe you got it and then I got the email that morning being like Grace join team right away and they spoke to you know the fact that they didn't have enough diversity and that mm-hmm. they didn't have you know people in their athlete community that were representing all body types yeah. and that's where I got it. And I think that I wouldn't have got it had I not made the step to yeah. call out on their shit yeah. or to actually bring to their attention the fact that there is a very large market for people with larger bodies to have cute active wear. Mm-hmm. And so I think had I not brought that to their attention, I don't think I would have gotten it. Um, And, you know, that's not because it's not an important issue, but it's because I'm not a very, you know, if we compare to a lot of other athletes or a lot of other people in the industry, I don't hold a very significant role. You know, I have three and a half thousand followers. I don't have 20K. I don't have 50K. I don't have 300K. Like, you know, I wasn't an obvious choice. Um, But yeah, it was really beautiful to witness, you know, the fact that I was accepted with open arms and actually, you know, commended for you know, fighting for this cause. Yeah, putting your putting your neck out there. Exactly. And I think something really important. Oh, I've got pins and needles in the foot <gasps> that has the torn ligament, so I can't even wiggle my toes. Oh my God. No. Fuck. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I think a really important distinction to make is not that I think that active wear, you know, should be made for to accept the fact that everyone's overweight and no one wants to change the fact that they're no. overweight. But I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that so many people start a fitness journey not being a small or an extra small. And they have every single right to feel comfortable and look cute and have a fucking pink zebra matching leopard print cute as hell outfit to wear to the gym. Like it's not just people who 
have either been like a small or an extra small their whole lives or have worked down to an extra small that mm. deserve representation. Yeah. Like people who are starting their fitness journey and aren't comfortable in their skin deserve representation, deserve to wear clothes that actually make them feel confident. Like you have no idea. I was a, a, like a fly on the wall in my shitty little Kmart feeler leggings that, you know, were a size 22 and like, you know, the, the, the t-shirt that went down to my knees because I didn't want anyone to see my body. Like, you know, I felt like shit wearing that. And mm. now I'm wearing, you know, I literally, I'm looking at it right now, a bright pink zebra patterned active wear set <laughs> that I walk around in the gym wearing. And Amazing. the confidence that I feel is the confidence that everyone deserves to feel regardless of what size that they wear. And the size that they wear shouldn't determine whether or not they get representation in marketing. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> literally. No, 100%. You're so, you are so right. And this is why I wanted to talk to you because I just feel like you are doing so much for this not even a minority group of people, just for this group of people who don't get a voice because you're not the end results. You're not the end goal. You know, of course, we're going to only show bodies that are really small because that's what everybody wants to be. It's like, and because that's what, that's what fitness means. That's because what fitness is, but it's like fitness is any kind of body, any kind of body to do fitness. Like how someone can go for a walk if they can't find a pair of leggings that are going to fit them. Like it's not even about going to the gym. It's like they can't even go outside for a walk because you're not selling leggings that are going to fit that person or a T-shirt that's going to fit that person. Like Or that person won't even bite the bullet and buy it because they're not sure if it's actually going to fit. Like Leggings are fucking expensive. Oh, my God. They suck. It's actually been really powerful to witness that I am one of a very small group of humans in the right-of-way athlete community that wears larger than a size small or a medium. Um, and the relationship that I have with customers of Rideaware who, you know, follow their page and have found me through their page and reach out to me and say, like, they're, they're my size, you know, they wear a large or they wear an extra large. And they say, hey, like, I want to get this collection, but what, like, what does it feel like on you? Like, talk to me a little bit about it. Mm. Do you think it's worth it? Do you have any other recommendations? And yeah. You know, this is another, sorry, I am going on a tangent. You've caught me in something I'm so passionate <laughs> so about. I love it. Um, I think one of the biggest flaws in activewear um, is the fact that they will take the measurements, the body shape, everything of a size extra small and simply make it wider yeah. for a larger, you know, a size larger, a size extra large. Like, do you not understand that the body holds weight and muscle and and, and body fat so differently in an extra large than it does in a small? So, you know, there are a lot of active wear collections out there that look so fucking cute on a size small, but I'll wear it as a large and the waistband will dig in and give me rolls or, you know, it'll be transparent because my belly button can be seen through it or, you know, I bend over and it rolls down because I actually have like skin that folds over it or like, you know, a lot of things that aren't taken into consider- consideration when this item is put onto a bigger body. Um, And that's something that isn't taken, like it, it's not talked about enough either. That's yeah. And I get messages like every week being like, hey, what do you think of this one? Like, should I get it? Like, what did it, what did it feel like on you? Because they know that I, I've received some of these collections mm-hmm. and there will never be a day where I'm not brutally honest. And I'm like, I'm not going to say this actually, like, it's not great for our body type. Like maybe yeah. this one instead. Yeah. Try these leggings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and people don't understand the privilege that people who wear, you know, a smaller and extra small hold where they can actually get any collection. And it was designed specifically on their body type. 
You know, yeah. it was designed, the, the model from, you know, initial design process to, you know, final, you know, constructive criticism on in the design process of making it was done on extra small or a small. So this was made and tailored to your body. Mm. I think mine. like, you know, yeah, this message really is just like, you need to like, you know, empowering people and giving people their power back of like, you actually can have autonomy over choosing what clothing is going to look good on you. And you can bring confidence through having clothing that's going to feel and look good on you. And, you know, it's like the story, like growing up where I, I remember like friends would have bigger boobs and they'd be like, I have to get the boring, gross beige bra, yes. you know, and I can't go into cotton on body and buy a cute pink bra. Mm-hmm. And they'd be so upset. And I'm like, we're still seeing that now as adults, yes. like in clothing, not just our undergarments. Yeah. Or it's like, Jesus. I just, you know, or there's, there's stores who are stocking, you know, like, oh, so we'll stock. Like we, we actually have a full collection. We are so inclusive. We go from size four all the way through to size 26. But if you're above a size 16, you can only buy it online. So you can't actually try it on and you don't actually get the privilege that people who are size four to 16 possess. I feel like Cotton On did that. They did do that. Yeah. They really did. Oh, I'll um, just say. <laughs> and, you know, Forever New, Portman's. Yeah. Um, I actually don't shop in person. I don't actually wear anything aside from active wear anymore. So I can't speak about this too in depth. But, you know, it's prevalent everywhere. They're, you know, they're trying to be accepting, but they're accepting with conditions. Like, oh, no, we we accept your body type. Like, yes, Absolutely we do, but you actually don't get to try it on in store and you don't actually get to know what size you'll wear. You have to do it online. Like, can you can you imagine if that was applied to people who, you know, who wore a size six or a size eight? And the biggest thing that I want to emphasize here is because so many people will listen to something like this and be like, that's what happens when you're fat. You made that choice to be obese, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, do you not understand that people can be actively choosing to better their lives? People can be actively losing weight and still fall into the category of, you know, being excluded because of that. Like you don't suddenly get recognized for trying to change your life when you fit a certain size. Mm-hmm. I was also, wearing a- yeah. Like respect shouldn't just come as well because you are choosing to change. Even if you're someone who's like, I don't want to change. I'm happy as I am. I'm going to be a t- size 26 for the rest of my life. I don't care. I don't want to go to the gym X, Y, Z. That person still deserves respect. <laughs> like that person yeah. still deserves to buy a cute outfit. Like, Yeah. If you don't agree with their views. Like there's so many people in the world you will not agree with. It doesn't mean that they don't deserve respect. Exactly. They're and- not hurting you. <laughs> exactly. And to be fair and, you know, there's a very fine line in a subject like this, but obesity is becoming a lot more prevalent. Obesity is becoming a lot more prevalent, but so is acceptance of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's been really interesting to witness how so many brands are adapting, but adapting under their circumstances. Absolutely, no, so true. It is. <laughs> I literally, I think I just spoke for an hour on that topic. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What other um, questions? Then <laughs> what I also wanted to ask you about was, you know, what kind of tips would you give somebody who is wanting to be more in touch with their own needs and desires? Um, you know, it's a little bit like of a topic swing, but I we like for the people that don't follow Grace on her Instagram, she is extremely in touch with her own emotions and yeah, her own desires, her own needs, you know, the battle of the ego, like 
how we know when our ego is speaking up versus how we know when it's actually our consciousness. Um, and I know a while back you were doing a lot of shadow work. I'm I'm not sure if you're still doing that. You probably yes. are. Yeah. Um, but like, what is a tip that you would give somebody of like how to know if they actually are being, you know, conscious or not? Because I think a lot of people are like, I'm self-aware. And it's like, are you actually self-aware? <laughs> um, I made a post. I would have mm. been a a little while ago. Let me pull it up. Um, but it was honestly one of the most powerful things I've ever put together. Um, yeah. One of my favorite posts of all time. Did you get a good response on it or was it one of those posts that nobody sees? Um, I got a decent response on it. <laughs> um, okay, no, I got a very good response on it now. That okay, good, good, good. So the post was basically, I probably don't care about your opinion, but not <laughs> in the way that you might think. Yeah. <laughs> And it basically speaks to the fact that I spent a really large portion of my life carefully creating my thoughts and actions and words to align with the perception other people had of me. Hmm. Um, And it was so much to the point that I was no longer grace. I was just a collection of the reflection of other people's opinions. Yeah. I actually really love this post. I'm just going to read it word for word. Go for it, please. Um, So if I give you an example, I was continually bullied for being overweight in high school. And in turn, I subconsciously made sure that all of my actions aligned with that. So I ate like an overweight person because if everyone thought that I was overweight, why bother eating like a healthy person? I didn't exercise because what overweight person exercises? I didn't take care of my appearance because if I was fat, how could I I be beautiful? I only made moves that aligned with the opinion, aligned with that opinion because I didn't allow myself an alternate world where it didn't exist. I allowed myself to be so bombarded with the opinions of others so much that it became an identity. So who I was was not actually who I was. It was what everyone else thought of me that I had embodied. You know, it was only once I decided to form my own opinions of myself did I start achieving greatness. I decided I wanted to become a healthy person and I made sure that my actions aligned with the person I wanted to become and not the person that I was. I decided I wanted to be a successful entrepreneur. So I made sure to hold myself to the same standards that that a CEO would. I decided I actually really like the person that I am. So I stopped apologizing for laughing too loud or joking too much or asking too many questions. And I decided who I wanted to be. And I made sure that every single thing that I did was a step closer to that person. Um, The only time we are affected by the opinions of others is when it reaffirms negative thoughts we have about ourselves. When someone told me I was overweight, it upset me, not because it was rude or mean, but because it reaffirmed an insecurity of my own. Um, if someone told me I was thin, I wouldn't give a fuck because I knew it wasn't true. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, if we, if someone compliments us and we don't agree, our first instinct is to rebut it or to, you know, be like, stop it. No, I'm not. Um, and if you ask yourself why it's because they're offering an opinion that doesn't align with the belief you have about yourself. We are a lot firmer in our beliefs than what you actually might think. Every single person is going to have an opinion on you based entirely on their perception, their projections, and their level of self-awareness. And a lot of the time, what other people think about you is simply reflecting what you mirror back to them. And even more of the time, an opinion only becomes impactive when it pushes us deeper into beliefs that we already embody. So in a nutshell, (laughs) literally don't fucking care what other people think. (laughs) And it, I mean that in the most respectful way because yeah. you know, you're actually, you know, you you might, you know, hang shit on yourself because you're like, I care too much about what other people think. And it's like, do you actually care too much about what other people think or do other people just voice what they think? And it's the same as what you think about yourself. So you make it their problem, not yours. You yeah. Make it their problem, not yours. Yeah. You know? 
ask yourself, you know, someone said something that made you feel insecure. Someone said something that upset you. Someone said something that, you know, put you down or made you feel shame. Did what they say actually make you feel that? Or did you feel like that because of a perception or a belief that you already had about yourself? Like if I go back to what I said in the post, you know, if someone told me that I was fat, Mm. I would feel like shit. Not because it was mean, but because I knew that. Yeah. It's like, well, other people can recognize that as well. But if someone said you're thin, I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I wouldn't think twice about it. Absolutely. I literally had a client this morning telling me, you know, I have been putting off making X, Y, Z move because I'm afraid of, you know, what the people around me will think or that they won't believe in me. And she said, I know that no matter what I do, I will succeed. And I was like, do you actually believe that? Or does it just feel really good and comfortable to say that? Because you're getting all this positive feedback without actually doing the action. You know, you're saying, I believe in myself, but you're not putting the action behind it because you're not doing X, Y, Z thing that you're putting off because of, but other people might not support me. Like, well, you're just in your ego. The biggest thing about that is the fact that so many people aren't congruent in what they do. Like, you know, and this can apply to every single person in the world. Like we work so hard to make sure that other people have a positive perception of us or that other people believe us to be people that we're proud of. But what happens when the doors are shut and no one else can see and you're not putting it on Instagram or, you know, the guy that you want to impress can't see you or, you know, you're not showing up or showing off to other people. Like what happens when the doors are shut? Are you still that person? Because nine times out of 10, one, you fucking aren't. And I'm sorry that I've just called you out like that. (laughs) Your listeners, not you. Um, (laughs) You know, it's not about what other people think of you. It's what you think of you. And what you think of you does not come from the person you are when everyone's watching. What you think of you comes from what you do when no one sees. You were definitely experiencing it as well, experience it as well, though, like working with young girls, especially, I think. You know, there's so much concern about what somebody else is going to think of you and what somebody else believes of you and, you know, the opinion opinion they'll have of you if you do something that they don't understand, that they don't agree with. And I see it even just working as a coach. So many people wanting to invest in coaching or messaging you being like, I love your vibe. I love everything that you stand for. And, you know, your clients look so happy. Oh, but I don't want to invest in you. And, you know, there's X, Y, Z reason. But one of those reasons I always believe deep down is like, none of my friends have ever done this. This is going to look funny. This is going to look strange. When I tell my friends or my family or my parents, oh, I've invested in a coach, people are going to go, why? That's a waste of money. And I believe this because I experienced that exact same thing when I began investing in coaching, you know, fitness coaches for myself. They were like, that's a waste of money. Can't you just do that for yourself? Mm. I could, but like, would it be to the same high level? Would I be getting the support behind the scenes? You know, I don't want to walk into a gym and have to fucking program for myself. And I don't understand how any newbie programs for themselves because that is a nightmare. Programming is so much harder than just going, I'm going to get on the leg press today and then I'm going to get on the leg curl and then I'm going to do a hip thrust and then I might finish with some lunges. Like that's not programming. That's not programming. <laughs> and then you'll walk into the gym the next day and be like, oh, I might just do the same thing as yesterday because that may Yeah. Me- You're like, oh, the leg press was fun. I really like the leg press. It's like how many times yeah, a week can you like- do the leg press? <laughs> You know, it's, it's, uh, it is a crazy world where so many people are so concerned 
about what everyone else thinks. And I think that social media plays a massive role. Yeah. Like, people are fucking relentless. People are so nasty when you aren't face-to-face with them. Yeah. But, you know, we care so much about what everyone else thinks. Like, I have a friend, bless her heart, love her to pieces. <laughs> but, you know, she'll spend, like, a very, like, a significant amount of time taking a photo to put on her Instagram story and then delete it, like, three hours later being like, oh, no, it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like there's, and people like that exist everywhere. You know, yeah. people won't wear certain things because, oh, no, other people aren't going to like that. Or, you know, yeah. people won't do certain things. Like, oh, I've always wanted to run a marathon, but like, I just. Mm-hmm. I used to experience that so badly with the clothing. Like, just didn't know what style I liked, would have, you know, the biggest freakouts going to an event where I would have to wear something like fancy because fancy would mean wearing a dress and I don't really feel very comfortable in dresses and like yeah. I can't wear pants because everyone else is going to be wearing a dress so I gotta wear a dress and like mm. you know my style might look a bit different to other girls up on the sunny coast like it's not it's not very like it's different to Victoria and um, the, <laughs> the biggest thing in that is oh my god do you remember going out when you were younger and messaging the group chat what's everyone wearing oh my god I hate the fact that I can't do that now though <laughs> Like when the girls do message, what are you wearing? I'm like, thank God somebody asked. <laughs> but no, like honestly, yeah, going out, it was, what are you wearing? Do not tell me jeans and a cute top because that doesn't make any sense. Send me a picture. What are the options? Yeah. What are yeah. we working with here? <laughs> and it's just like you create who you are based yeah. around what everyone else is, but mm. everyone else is building who they are off what everyone else is. Like individuality is... It, it's almost extinct. Like it's fucking endangered at this point. Like, ah, it's just, it's a very interesting world to be in. I'll say that. It is. And I think that is where, you know, being in touch with your desires and your needs and who you actually want to be, what the life is that you actually want is so important. And I see it having these bigger conversations with my friends now that we're getting older, you know, like do you want to buy a house? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to go and, you know, sell everything and live in a van for two years? Like these big life decisions and Mm. so much of it just feels like so planned for you. And it's like, Mm. this is just like the bottleneck that everyone's getting funneled into. And it's like, yeah, but do you actually want that? Or do you just feel like that's the path that's laid out for you? And that's just like what you're meant to do. And yes, I'm talking about it on such a big scale, talking about like, you know, marriage and buying a house and kids and stuff, but you look at it on a little scale of like, do you actually want to go out on a Saturday night or would you rather stay in and drink a cup of tea? Do you actually want to go straight home from work or would you rather wake up at 5am and go to the gym and see the sunrise, even though all your friends are like, ew, mornings are gross. Like, who fucking Literally. (laughs) And it was a really powerful move for me when I was 18 and I... Mm hated the clubs yeah <laughs> um, I turned 18 in March of that year so a lot of my friends weren't quite 18 yet aside from my best friend whose birthday was a couple of days after mine and I went clubbing three times after I turned 18 and then I decided okay I might just not go this weekend and see how I go and I realized oh I actually really don't like this and mm-hmm. you know my friends would be like oh you suck oh you're a pussy oh you're no fun but it's like okay that's great but like I actually really enjoy not doing that and I'm not going to do it just so, you know, you can feel more comfortable about doing it yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, a lot of people don't know how to, they don't know how to be secure in that decision. And it's You know, the they same. can't, they don't just turn around and go, well, but I'm happier. They turn around and go, oh, what's wrong with me? 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm seeing something very similar playing out literally at this moment in time where so many people that I went to high school with and so many people my age, even my best friend, a lot of my friends in the industry, it's Europe summer. And everyone's like, got to go to Europe, got to go to Europe, got to do it. And it's like, people are like, you know, you're young, Grace, why don't you travel? And it's like, I'm young. I'm never going to have the ability to hold a workload as extensive as I am right now. What if I built out my business and then got to do all that fun shit while you guys are waiting for retirement? Yeah. Like, what if I, can you like actually not do that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you? Oh, fucking, it's like having a toddler. Um, <laughs> and it's like, you know, oh, but Grace, like that's how it works. You know, you're young. You, you know, in your twenties, you travel and you have fun and you go on Kentucky and then you meet a man and you settle down and you, you know, get married and then you get a golden retriever and a white picket fence and then you just live your life until you retire. Like, what if I, what if I, like, I couldn't think of anything fucking worse. <laughs> if I'm honest, but like, what if I didn't want to live like everyone else yeah. did? And right now, you can't understand that because I'm not going and doing the fun shit. And it's because I'm going to be doing the fun shit for one, significantly longer than anyone else will be. And two, I'm going to be doing the fun shit while everyone else is, you know, working jobs that they hate striving for their four weeks annual leave. Like my whole fucking life is going to be annual leave because, you know, I, I don't work a job that I hate. Like you know, people mm. are so easy to question you when you're doing something that's not normal. Yeah. But Oh yeah. All like, you know, love all my friends. They're amazing. But like any time, you know, me and my partner are pretty, you know, vocal with them that like, we don't want to buy a house anytime soon. That's not something that we are thinking about at all. And they're like, do you have savings for that, for a house? We're like, no. Like, but what do you mean? We're like, we don't want one. So we don't have savings for one. Like, oh, you're going to go on a big trip? No. Why not? Oh, like we could go on a big trip, but it's just not, it's just not viable right now. It's just like not where we're at right now. You know, like we've got plans for the future, but right now, like he's just taken a three-year permanent contract, which is amazing like we love that what and then it's like uh, he's a high school teacher so this is his first year and he got yeah permanent contract which is very exciting <laughs> um but you know like we want to move one day and live in the UK for a year two years who knows and you know people around us are like oh well what's going to happen now that Pete's got his permanent contract we're like we'll go after <laughs> like what yeah, do you mean like, like our life I- is so long we don't need to go next year I feel like people have such a schedule in their minds of what life is meant to look like and everyone's breaking that you know I don't want to work nine to five anymore I want to work remotely but it's like this is still so ingrained into all of us like hey you actually don't have to live how everyone else does like all of your friends are going to Europe and you don't want to or you don't want to spend money on that right now that's okay yeah like you want to grind out your career for a while get yourself in a good position not have kids, not get married, not have a white picket fence and a golden retriever. I mm. can do it. Like, I can't tell you how many times my mom's been like, so like, when are you bringing someone home for us? And I'm like, okay, one, I wouldn't bring them home for a hot minute if they did exist because you're married. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're a lot, mom. But yeah. also, I actually just don't want to have kids. And people yeah. ask that a lot. Like, I'm 22 and people mm. are like, oh, like, is that, you know, is that, and it doesn't happen a lot because I don't have a partner currently. But like, you know, it's, it's a big thing. And it's like, I actually don't want to have kids. And they're like, oh, it'll change when you're older. And I'm like, I've thought this since I was like six. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want kids either. So yeah. when I realized that, I think I was like 23 or 24, when I realized, like I properly realized, um, first it was, I don't want to birth a child. Um, I'll adopt. And that really should have been a big tip off for me. That would have been a bit of a red flag. I was like, I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> like, 
yeah so I'll adopt and you know my boyfriend I was the, the, same. the whole time he was like don't really want them if you do like I'll do it kind of vibe mm-hmm. so when I kind of turned to him I was like yeah so I don't want kids he's like I've been waiting three years for you to say that <laughs> yeah and it's like I don't want kids not just because of I don't want to push something that weighs yeah me. like I just don't want that, that. but also like there is so <laughs> Oh, I really hope my parents don't listen to this. There is so much <laughs> generational trauma that I don't want to pass down. I was fucked up as a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. I don't actually want to bring a person into the world and hold that much responsibility with so much room to fail and then not recognising that if you fail at holding all of that responsibility, you impact a person for the rest of their life. It's a lot. Also, yeah. I want to be selfish and... If I go and move overseas when I'm 32, I want to do that because I don't want to be thinking, oh, fuck, I better start having a kid or kid by now or already have one. Like we've already got friends who have kids and it's amazing, but like that's just not where I see my life going. And the big thing is every friendship group or family has like the fun auntie, like the one that never really settled down. But I want to be. (laughs) But it's like people always say to them like, oh you like you just got off the plane from six months in Europe just for fun oh wouldn't that be nice like Mm. I feel like it's an expectation to see children as a burden and it's like you actually made that choice like you no one no one made you do that yeah like no one made you like you know have a fun time and then pop one out nine months later like (laughs) you know and I say this to my mom all the time and she hates me for it but I'm like bro you birthed me you have a vaginal obligation to look after me like I I did not yeah. choose this. It is not my fault. You put me here. Right? Like, <laughs> and there, there's there's so much that goes into it. But also, like, who the fuck says that you actually have to have kids? Like, why is that a natural progression of life? Like, I I don't want that. No. No, I really, not at all. I don't. And it's okay if you don't want kids either. Like, people are so easy to shame because they're like, oh, but that's what you're supposed to do. And yes, like, let the record show it's okay if you don't want kids, guys. Mm, right? you don't, and, and it's okay if you do want them as well. Like, but just make it your choice. The people look at you the same if you're like, you know, oh, I don't want kids. And they're like, oh, but like you'll 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 change your mind when you're older. Or no, no, you probably do. Like if you thought about it, but it's like, you know, you buy a white fridge instead of a silver one or one that has a freezer up the top instead of down the bottom. People are like, oh, but are you sure? Have you actually you, you you'll change your mind when you're older? You know, fridges are really important and maybe you'll regret it now. Maybe you should just plan for the future. And like, no, like, no. Or, you know, even your career or taking annual leave or, you know, what age you retire at. Like, no one questions that. Like, it's, you know, everyone has to have a kid. You can't be happy without one. No, I think I'll be happy with all my money and my travels and my airfares. Just look at my passport in 10 years, you know? Like, (laughs) people say, like, oh, that's selfish. And it's like, selfish to who? The kid doesn't fucking exist. Oh my goodness. Alrighty. I want to ask you my final little quick rapid questions because we've been quick cool. rapid questions. Okay, give it an hour. <laughs> no, 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 they are, they are. Okay. Favorite gym exercise. Oh fuck. Deadlifts. <laughs> oh, I love deadlifts. Current food obsession. Vietnamese noodle bowls. Um um a podcast recommendation the psychology sisters okay and last question what makes you feel like you are living your most delicious life do you want me to answer that today (laughs) um 
what makes me feel like I'm living my most delicious life yesterday up until about 4 p.m. Um, I everything just wait, let me rephrase that. I think I live my most delicious life when I completely understand that everything I've ever wanted is actually available to me and that I can receive anything that I want. And it's true. Yeah. Why why can't it not be? <laughs> exactly. If you can see it, if you can imagine it, if you can envision it, you can have it. And that sounds like the end of like a pyramid scheme hype up speech. Like, I was thinking it sounds like what fairy godmother would say. <laughs> and it's like, I wanted like anything you want, anything that your brain says, like, oh, I want that, like your dream car. Like, oh, my dream car's a Porsche. You know, everyone has specific dream cars. Like that wouldn't be available in your mind if it wasn't available for you to have. And I'm such a firm believer in that. I love that. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm already like, when can you come on again? Because that, <laughs> that was amazing. Um, Just like, I think people are going to get so much fucking value out of this conversation. They're going to get so fired up about the fitness industry as well. And just like wanting to take up space. Um, But yeah, any last words? Where can we find you as well? Drop your, um, drop your stuff. Okay, last words. Um, No matter who you are, no matter what size you are, no matter where you are in your fitness industry, I want you to know that you pay the same gym membership as anybody else and you deserve to take up just as much space in any facility that you're in and you deserve to. So keep that in mind next time you question whether or not you can go and do something that someone skinny would do. Mm-hmm. Um, where can you find me? You can find me on Instagram at gracemcleod.ts. TS stands for Team Stronger. Um, I'm all over there and anything else that I do, I normally just link on there. So that's my hub. Amazing. Um, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I love how this literally went for two and a half hours. <laughs> no. no, three hours. We started at 11. Wait, 11. To... Oh no, it went for two hours. Okay. I can't <laughs> do math. That's why I'm PTing. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this to go. And I'm so excited to come back. Like, let get me on next week. I'm coming oh back. Oh my goodness! Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs>